Hi, this is David Sachs, and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Magnificent sculpture out of a rock. His answer was, David was in there. I just removed what was in the way. Yeah, awesome. He has that on Torah anytime. Awesome. Is that something? I knew you'd love that. Yeah. Thank you, Miriam. You're welcome. So great to see Keith. Um, is there anyone else? Uh, anyone else who has a... Okay, okay. Myra. Let's see if we have more luck this time. Okay, there you go. Oh, thank God. The soul doesn't die. The soul lives on. And that's my belief. Yes, that's and our belief too. <laughs> <laughs> it's not everybody's belief. <laughs> and um, this is just flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. It's earth. But this, and that's why we say Kaddish. Yes. Keep on going. Why? Why? Why do we say Kaddish? So. For the soul, for the yes, ancestors. Yes, because the the relationship is still there. I, 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 you're reminding me of something. Let me let me share it with you, which is that um, there's a uh, there's a a teaching that after a year after someone passes, we should all live long. Um, that uh, forgetfulness starts to kick in, as and that's a that's actually a blessing. Although the the Kutzker Rebbe says something in you know in his searing way, which is God gives us forgetfulness so that we can forget about the world and we use it to forget God, right? That's that's the Kutzker at work right there. Um, but anyway, this is a, a blessing of healing that 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 takes place usually after a calendar year, you know, time healing wounds. With this in mind, though, it's it's interesting to ask a question, which is, how could it be that Yaakov Avinu mourned uh, Yosef for all of that time? In other words, where do you see the, 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 the blessing of forgetfulness on some level kicking in on Yaakov like it's something like, I don't know how many years it was, 20 years, something like this, later... And he's still intensely, intensely mourning Yosef, right? Why didn't he, why didn't it work for Yosef? And the answer is because Yosef was still alive. Because Yosef hadn't died, because he was still alive, that, that, that extra blessing of forgetfulness never kicked in. Now with that in mind, let's apply it to us in the base of Migdash. How could it be that we're still 2,000 years later crying over the base of Mingdash? Why hasn't that bruch of forgetfulness kicked in already? It's because the third base of Mingdash still exists and it's up in Shemayim waiting to come down. It's still alive. It's still there. That's why we haven't stopped crying over it. That's why we can't forget about it. Because it's still there. What follows now are some questions and answers. Yeah, I mean, I love it. This is Torah, so I'm glad that I love it. Um, (laughs) That, you know, Hashem recreates the world every single nanosecond. Yes. 
you know, using that premise, it, it occurred to me that, so literally, like, we are anew every second. So then why is it so difficult to change a habit? Yeah. If we're new. So, you know, it yeah. shouldn't have that, like, well, well, because, you know, something wiring system. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so we are, um, we are new. That's true. Um, but we also have to really appreciate our humanity. We are souls and bodies and our bodies, um, you know, are a little bit slower. You know, it's made out of earth, which is like, I don't want to insult the earth, but it's a little dumber than our, than our souls. And, you know, to, you know, like if you were to somehow shape water or something like this, you know, it, it responds instantly. But if you want to, like, do you remember those, um, do you remember those sculptors that would start with like a, 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 a big block of marble and they would chisel out a figure? So that's, that's kind of like the process with change with us. Because our, our bodies, our minds have all these neurological pathways. And when we're a certain way, there's, they're very embedded ways of thinking, habitual, habitual thinking patterns become very, very embedded in our physicality. Like our, our minds are part of our physical being. And these neurological pathways are part of our physical being. And to alter that, it, it takes great effort. And, and I've experienced this in my life, where there are things that I've worked on that I've begun to, to make headway with. <clears throat> 30 years of trying. 30 years of trying, especially with certain ways of thinking. Other things haven't taken that long. And those things that I'm, I'm still working on. But it takes, oftentimes it takes years. And I, I, I wish that people would say that more in, in talks like this. Because I think that, um, you know, maybe some people are quicker to adjust. But, but, but I don't know. I'm just using myself as, 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 as an example. And I know that real change takes years. And I think maybe they don't say that so much because they don't want to discourage people. Or they think that if people hear that, they'll just run for the door. But I'm telling you, you will be the recipient. You will be the recipient of all of this positive change. And it is worth the work. It is worth the work. It's worth it. So um, so the bottom line is it does, it does take a long time. Um, but you have to keep on trying. You have to keep on trying, and 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 it can change, and and it's yeah, because I mean, I, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen that it does. I just yeah. That, um, you know, since that idea is that the world is new, it's it just it's not as simple as that. We have to take into account our physical reality as well. Yeah, it, yeah, it's true because, you know, the the world in front of us looks like it's it's this steady constant because it's going so fast. The renewal is going so yeah. fast. And so part of our brain, like our heart, you see, here's the thing. Your, your mind thinks 
what your heart feels. And if you don't know something 10,000% in your heart, you won't be able to see it with your eyes. And the thing is, is that we, part of us thinks the world really isn't changing because our eyes are telling us that the world isn't changing. But the more that we actually believe it with our heart, that this world is, is a new place every single moment, we will begin to see that with our eyes. And then we will begin to believe it with our minds. And all those newer neurological pathways will become rerouted. And we'll be able to live in that new world. But all that change starts with the heart. Okay, thank you. Sure. Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, I want to talk about gratitude today. Gratitude is, is um, as you know, like one of the biggest secrets to, to happiness. Um, you know, there's a, there's a new field, or a newish field anyway, in, in, in psychology and academics, um, which is called positive psychology. And so kind of like the, the academic establishment caught up with this idea of how can we actually, you know, make this very sort of ethereal kind of like abstract notion of happiness into a subject that people can actually study. And so you'll see there's all sorts of, um, all sorts of books now and, and courses. In fact, it's, it's, um, the, it's been the most popular course, uh, uh, at Harvard and, and at Yale, I'm pretty sure, and probably many other universities too. Just this topic of people sort of like approaching the subject of happiness in sort of like a, a serious um, kind of methodological way. Like, how do we do it? And so one of the, one of the actual um, keys that they've come up with um, is gratitude. And of course, this is something that... Um, you know, the, the Torah has been speaking about since the beginning of time. Uh, gratitude is, is absolutely this secret ingredient to, um, to life. And which is kind of interesting because if you just think about it on a very sort of base, kind of like, you know, caveman kind of mentality, it's sort of like, I would think that um, the more you give me, the happier I'm going to be. Just give me stuff. Give me lots of stuff. And now give me even more stuff. And now I'm approaching happiness. Maybe I'm happy now. I don't know. But but that seems to be the secret ingredient to happiness as far as I'm, you know, from this sort of like meat suit that I inhabit. You know, that seems to be the key. Give me things. So So it's sort of surprising to find that gratitude... For whatever we're receiving, and by the way, if you really want to get deep about it, um, that's the good or the bad that we're receiving, by the way. You know, it gets, it gets pretty deep if you want to kind of get into it. But, but it's actually gratitude for the things that I'm receiving that can actually be more satisfying and more happy-making than the actual receiving of the things themselves. So that's, that's a surprising idea. Um, so, so you see, I heard years ago in the name of the, the Zohar, uh, a very interesting idea. Now imagine a dam, uh, you know, um, in, in the kind of the, the, the water sense. So, 
So, so what a dam does is it takes kind of like a, a, a river or some kind of flow of water, and then you kind of build up an, an outer edge, and you turn that into like a pool. And now all the waters kind of collect in one place. And then if you want, you can have like a little gateway to the dam, and then you can control the amount of water that comes out. So uh, dams are actually very practical, and people since the beginning of time have been using um, dams. One of the downsides of a dam is that if the water just kind of stays in one place, the water becomes tranquil or stagnant, is a more negative word, more accurate word, and then believe it or not, disease can set in. Like all sorts of like, um, you know, sometimes if you have a, a mosquito problem in, in your house or whatever it is, look for pools of water like rainwater that are kind of just sitting outside that haven't evaporated. And a lot of times those sort of like stagnating pools of water become breeding grounds for mosquitoes and, 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 and other things, other kind of pests that ca- cause uh, health damage. So we don't want stagnant water. So what's the point? The point is that the Tsar says something very, very amazing. It says that there's a constant flow of blessing coming down from above to below. And if you keep all of that blessing inside of you, it becomes like stagnant water and can become a breeding ground of disease. And so what's the solution? You have to take all that flow, that divine flow that's coming into us all the time, and you have to let it out. So letting it out so that it actually flows through you is like a very healthy dynamic. That's a, that's a life-giving dynamic. And it's in that context that I'd like to sort of like explain, on one level anyway, this idea of gratitude. You see, the receiving, like just the give me stuff kind of thing, the receiving is part of it. But unless we have gratitude for it, unless we take that and then send it back into the world in whatever form, even if it's just thanks, then it just kind of stays in a bad place inside of us. So I'm just trying to show on one level the spiritual dynamics of, of gratitude and how important it is, because it's part of maintaining the divine flow that's going on into the, in, into the world. We want to be on the right side of the divine flow. And if you want to flow, you have to give thanks. Okay, let's say that one more time, since that's a one-line summary of everything we've been discussing up until now. If you want to flow, you have to give thanks. Okay. So the reason why we're discussing this today um, is because we just had Birkas Kahanam uh, in this week's Parsha. And it's, it's very interesting, just the timing of this. R- Rav Frimer in the Eretz Svi says something, points out, just has a r- wonderful insight. You know, it, it, it says that, or we know that there are two m- major collections of what we call the Tochacha, which are kind of translated um, as, as the curses in the Torah or the negative consequences in the, in the Torah. And they're both kind of grouped together in, in two different spots. And the Chachamim, the sages, sort of like um, arranged the flow of the Parshas on a, on a yearly basis and in a very, very interesting way. That, that both of these clusters of, 
of consequences, let's call them, klalas, appear before New Year's. So we just had a group of them, um, and and now we just had a New Year. Shvuas, the receiving of the Torah Mount Sinai, is also halachically the New Year for fruit-bearing trees. Okay, so we're in a New Year right now. So So, and then the other cluster of them always appear the week before the last week of the year, before Rosh Hashanah. And the Gemara says the reason why the sages arranged it that way is that when the old year ends, all of the bad stuff of the old year should end with it. So in other words, when you start a new year and now you're past all those klalas, you understand? So we're in a new year right now. So now we're ready for the thought from Rav Frimmer. So he says, isn't it interesting that as soon as the new year starts, the first Parsha we have is Parsha Snaso, and in it we have the Birkas Kahanim. We're, we're receiving all sorts of blessing, and we're receiving the blessing right now because all the Klalas are gone. We've gotten rid of all the Klalas. And the same thing happens by Rosh Hashanah, because after Rosh Hashanah, and it, it really, the Rosh Hashanah period really uh, culminates with Shemini Atzeris, we have the Parsha Vizot. <coughs> Vizos HaBrachas. And these are the Brachas. So you see, in both parts of the year, as soon as the clouds end, we have the sections with the Brachas. And that's where we are right now. We're in the place of blessing. So what I want to do... So what I'd, what I'd love to do right now uh, is... is uh, is look at Birkas Kahanam and see what 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 can what can we learn from from this blessing in terms of being more grateful. Um, and and the, the 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 blessings are like really short, right? It's a, it's like just a, it's a really just a handful of words that contain all the blessings, but there's so much in them. There's so much depth. And so right now I'm just going to really concentrate on the the first blessing, Yivarecha uh, Hashem veYishmarecha, and that means um, may Hashem bless you, and may He guard you. And there's there's just just like warehouses and warehouses and warehouses full of understandings to that. So. So let's let's zero in on that and and teach us how we can lead sort of more thankful lives and 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 just better lives, happier lives. And before we go into it, I just want to I just want to say the following. I don't know if anyone else has had this thought. I, I took a walk yesterday on Shabbos and um, and. I haven't really, I've been mostly staying in the house these past few months. Um, I get out every once in a while. Um, but, but, but yesterday I really saw like stores open and I saw something which should not have been, <laughs> or maybe it should have been, but it was like just, excuse me, very, very dramatic for me. I saw just a restaurant. It's kind of like a restaurant bar kind of thing that I walked past and there were like, a, a good number of people like sitting in the tables outside and in the establishment. And, you know, it was something that 
shouldn't have looked remarkable, and I would have not given it a second look, you know, any other time in my life. But it was like a real kind of like, wow, like things are really going back. Like it was like, it really struck me. And I started thinking about Noah and Noah leaving the ark and entering back into the world. And again, I don't know if anyone else has had this thought, but I think on a societal level right now, we're really having this big Noah leaving the ark and entering back into the world type moment right now. And as I'm sure most of you know, that didn't go so well. In fact, it went really horribly, actually. Um, Noah leaves the ark, and the first thing that he does, which, which Hashem loved, 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 loved. If you look at the commentaries, this was like one of the greatest moments ever, literally. Noah offers a korban, an offering to God. And, and it was, it's like received in the highest, highest way. And then Noah makes a vineyard and he gets drunk and just he, he falls from his very, very high place. And just without going into it, just horrible things happen. His children essentially attack him. Um, but it's, it's quite gnarly, the details of, 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 of what happened exactly. But not great, not great. And it's, uh, I heard Rabbi Citron say, the, the elder Rabbi Citron, he says, I'm, I'm only saying this half jokingly, um, which means he's saying it half seriously. He's saying that after this ordeal, Noah needed a drink. And I always, that, that always stayed with me. Like, in other words, the, the, the transition the transition from going from our homes for for months now back out into the world is is not an easy one. And if you look at Noah, you can appreciate the difficulty of it. Noah, the whole world was saved because of Noah. And then Noah became considered like basically just an ordinary regular guy, like he was not considered special anymore after this transition. So we've got to, we've got to nail this transition back into the world. We have to, we have to do a really, really good job because if we, if we dare think, okay, this chapter's over now back to real life or now back to the way it was, it's not going to work. Right? Just like the whole flood and the whole quarantine inside the ark was for a purpose. This whole quarantine was also for a purpose. So we have to emerge from all of our arcs in a new way. So what I am suggesting as one tool, and of course all of us are, this is all very personal stuff and everyone's got to kind of figure out their own, uh, their own way back into the world, Right. But what I want to offer right now is um, is one tool, which is gratitude, to really emerge back into the world with gratitude. And so, what what I want to do now is is get into some specifics, okay? And I promised we'd take a look at the very first 
part of the Birkas Kahanam, the priestly blessing. And uh, and these are the words. Yivarecha Hashem v'yishmarecha. May God bless you, or God will bless you, and he'll guard you. Now, if you look at the Rashi there, Rashi says something really interesting. So, so first of all, it's, it's interesting that the, the blessing is considered by most of the commentators that what, what is God blessing us with? Material blessing. So that means money. That means property. That means things. That means material things. So, so that's, that's, that's very special. That's great. Like we're going to get stuff, right? But it's actually the, the, the next phrase, which I think is more surprising, right? Because we've, we figure, you know, it's a blessing. That's, that's stuff, you know, that, that you can kind of figure out on your own. But it's this next part, which is, which is so interesting to me anyway. The Yishmarecha, and Hashem should guard it. So, if you look in the Rashi, he gives you a, a very compelling, kind of surprising uh, mushal, uh metaphor for what that means. So I'll tell you what it is. Okay. So by the way, this is um, in 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 Sefer Bamidbar, the Book of Numbers. This is chapter six, verse twenty-four. If you want to look it up. Okay. So it's he says that you know if. If one of us were to give a gift to a servant, there is no guarantee that someone won't steal that gift from the servant. And then what does the servant have to show for the gift? He's got nothing. He's been robbed. But when Hashem gives the gift to a servant, he also guards and protects the gift from being taken away from the person. So that's that's interesting, like on a lot of levels. And I just want to just point out that one of the things that I was struck by was why use the term servant here? And and you should know something, which is that when Hashem Hashem gives a one-line eulogy at the end of the Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, Moshe was my avid. Like Moshe, the greatest person that ever lived, was my servant. And that is the ultimate, ultimate praise. From a Torah perspective, if God considers you a servant, this is like the highest, 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 highest praise. Evid Hashem. And in fact, uh, another person who's another of the greatest people that ever lived, the, the prophet Daniel, Daniel. In fact, God only told when the Mashiach was going to arrive to two people. All right? One was Yaakov Avinu, and the other was Daniel. So just to give you a sense of how great Daniel was, okay? Um, And it says, the Medrash points out that Daniel, at one point during his prayers to God, refers to himself as an Evid, right? This highest, highest, highest praise. And the... And the, the Medrash, the rabbis and the Medrash point out, oh, you know what's interesting? God doesn't call him an Evid. He calls himself an Evid, but God never calls him an Evid. So that's, you know, in other words, it's so it's no small potatoes for God to call you an Evid. 
Again, that's what he calls Moshe, a servant. That's the one word that he calls him, and that's the end of the eulogy. And that's considered the highest, highest, highest thing. So why am I telling you all this? Because look at that Rashi, and it says that when God blesses us, it's like a king giving his servant, his Evid, a present, which tells me that one of the secrets, if you want to be in this Evid category, right, if you want to be in the Evid club with Moshe Rabbeinu, how do you do it? Well, maybe, maybe learning how to receive a blessing is one of the ways of learning how to be this closest, closest thing to God. If you know how to receive a blessing, okay. So, so, so giving thanks is, I think, one of the things that if you kind of like unpack Rashi's words, and this is me talking right now, this is my analysis, but I want to share it with you. You see, why is it so important, like, to, that God should guard your blessing? So you could say, well, it's, you just already told us. I mean, it's just in the Rashi, so that no one takes it. Okay, on, on the basic level, that's true. But I want, to go, I want to go deeper than that, because I think it's saying something else. And I think if we can get this other level, it can change our entire lives. And I'm, 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 not, um, I'm not exaggerating. I'm being very, very, very serious right now. Because I know that this is something that I've worked with over the years, and it's completely changed my life. And, and, and let me explain it in this way. You see, listen very carefully. It's one thing to have something, and it's another thing to still have it. I'm going to say that again. It's one thing to have something, and it's another thing to still have it. And if you still have something, then you have to blow your mind like completely over the fact that it's still there. And I'm going to give you a bunch of examples of what I'm talking about, okay? And I want to tell you that how you see this on a halachic level, by the way. Um, The laws, and you'd have to study these on your own. I'm just going to kind of give you just a little overview of them, but, but the details of them are very complicated. Um, but I want, you, I want you to see how you see this idea in halacha. Um, you know, one of the things that when I first started becoming observant that was surprising to me, I thought the more blessings that you can say, the better. And there is a certain truth to that. Ideally, a person is saying a hundred blessings a day, but it, it doesn't go for a situation where you've said a blessing and then you are unsure whether you said a blessing or not, and then you say it again. So believe it or not, the halacha is, Jewish law says that if you've said a blessing and then you're not sure if you actually said the blessing, don't say the blessing again. Now, I would have thought, no, 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 no. I'll for sure say it again because I want to say a blessing so much. I want to make 100% sure I said it. So why is the halacha 
if you're unsure, why is the rule? If you're unsure if you said a blessing, don't repeat it. And the, the reason is, is because you're using Hashem's name. And you shouldn't use it casually. And if you're unsure whether you said it, you know what? Next time, have more consciousness, have more kavana when you say it, and then you won't fall into that problem. So it's a lesson in Yira Shamayim that you just don't bandy about the name of God. Like when you say Hashem's name, especially in the context of a bracha, you mean it, you know you're saying it, and you're taking it very seriously. And by the way, I heard from Rabbi Graydon such a great thing about this, because you, you say, oh, oh my goodness, I have to, every single time, this is, ah, oh, you're asking a lot. <laughs> so he says, you know how long it takes to institute this giant idea in life? One second. One second. In other words, one second before you make a blessing, have in mind, I'm about to make a blessing. <laughs> I've tried this, and I... Total, full disclosure here, I don't do it all the time, and I do fall into this problem myself multiple times, but every time I take a second before making a blessing, and I say to myself, I'm about to make a blessing, I never have this problem. Okay, so so now that we're, we have an increased appreciation of what it is to make a blessing, and that we don't make another blessing, unnecessarily, let me give you the following situation. And this is the complicated area, okay? What happens if I've got an apple in my house and I say, Bray Prehi eats, I make a blessing on the apple, I bite the apple, it's delicious, I'm grateful to Hashem, thank you Hashem for the apple. And now, oh, I got to get to the office. I take the uneaten apple with me into the car, I get to my office, and now I want to make I take another bite of this apple. Do I need to say another blessing on this apple? So I love the question because I never would have asked this question. I would have said, hey, I already made a blessing on the apple. I already thank God. I actually had kavana. I actually knew I was making the blessing. I actually did it from my whole heart. Why would I need to make a new blessing on it just because I'm in a different place? But you do need to make a new blessing on it. And again, the details, you have to go over a rabbi because different situations are different. This, by the way, can even apply if you live in a two-story house. If you make a blessing on the bottom floor and then you go to the second floor, again, learn the halachas with a rabbi, but you might be required to say, a second blessing on that thing if you bring it upstairs or downstairs. So why would be this be the case, just philosophically, okay? And so what, what, what I'd like to suggest is the following explanation. Is, you know something? It's one thing to thank God that he gave me this apple. That was the first blessing in my ha- house. But now in my office with this, with it, with this same apple... And you know why I'm making a new blessing now? Because I'm thanking God that I still have this apple. I'm a big believer that our prayers are being answered all the time. We're just not praying them. 
you walk out of your house in the morning and you see your car, your prayer was just answered, only you didn't pray it. What was the prayer? Please, God, don't let my car be stolen in the middle of the night. Your prayer was answered, but you just didn't, you didn't pray it. You get into the car, you start the engine, your prayer was answered. What was your prayer? Please, God, may my battery not be dead. <laughs> your prayer was answered, but you just didn't pray the prayer. A lot of life's blessings fall into this category of the blessing still being there. I want to continue to go into this idea and make it richer, okay? Imagine someone calls you into the room, walk into the room. There's the one you love the most. And the one who you love the most says to you, I have something for you. You go, oh, wow, thank you. What is it? $1,000. Really? Why? It's because I love you. Oh, thank you. That's, that's so nice. Thank you. They hand you $1,000. The next day, they call you in. What is it? What is it? I have something for you. Oh, wow. Thank you. What is it? It's $1,000. Really? Wow. You just you, 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 you just gave me that yesterday. You, again? You, you, you're giving it to me again? Yeah. Here it is. $1,000. The next day, they call you into the room. Hey, come over. What? I have something for you. What is it? $1,000. Oh, okay. Yeah, thanks. Fine. Okay. The next day, is it $1,000? It's $1,000. The next day, hey, you know what? I'll tell you what. Why don't we meet once a week and you just give me $5,000? You know what? I have something for you. You know what? I, I got to run some errands. When I come back, can I come in when I come back? And then we'll we'll, we'll fix it up. Um, hey, I have something for you the next day. You know what? Can I give you my routing number to my bank account? And then, you know, we could skip it. We could both save some time. You just send it to my bank account and we can get rid of this whole kind of like back and forth. I have, it's a thousand dollars, right? Just give me the thousand dollars already. <laughs> Does, does this seem familiar? Because this is what is going on with us and God all of the time. And we're on the wrong side of this. We're that guy. Can you? I, I know. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Another day of life. I get it. <laughs> More surprises, more laughter. I get it. I get it. Just keep it coming. You don't have to make any announcements. Just like, I don't want to be that guy. Do you want to be that guy? So, so what's the way around it? The way around it is understanding something very, very important. And if we can more than just understand this, if we can really understand the truth of this, we can begin to apply some of these kind of transformative ideas.
And that's the following. Just because something exists, just because something is there, whatever it is, that doesn't mean it still has to continue to be there. And I'm talking about good stuff, and I'm talking about bad stuff. Nothing has to be the way it is. Nothing has to be the way it is. If anything is going right, that's a brand new thing that's going right. When I first got married, I started going to Daily Minion for the first time. And um, it was a small minion. And I'm a lady. And I remember I was so happy. Like every Monday and Thursday when they took out the Torah, they called me up for the Levi Aliyah. And I was like, wow, I'm getting so many Aliyahs. This is so great. And then one, one day I went there and I realized I'm the only Levi. And that day that I realized, and I went, oh, it's not such a big deal. I'm the only Levi. You know, here I've been jumping up and down. And it's like, you know, who else are they going to give it to? That day I had that thought. There was another Levi and he got the Aliyah. And it told me that just because you receive something every single day doesn't make it any less of a gift. It's no less of a... Come here, I got something for you. What is it? $1,000? It's no less of a gift! (laughs) Because nothing has to be the way it is. And you can get creative with this. You can push it because I'm telling you, I'm telling you this is a deep idea. Like when I'm really getting creative and I'm just, you know, you're, you're supposed to have fun with God on some level. And, and my source for this, by the way, just so you understand what I'm saying, is Rebbe Nachman of Breslov. It says when he was younger, he would go into this shul, like, you know, when no one was there, and there would be a pushka, there would be a tzedakah box there. And he would say all of these prayers before giving the tzedakah, and he would give the tzedakah, and then he would start to walk out of the shul, and then he would go, Hashem did, I don't, I don't remember if I gave the coins or not. Well, I can't just give the coin. I have to go and say all the praises again. So he knew he had given the coin, but he was playing this game with God. He was making this intimacy with God, this relationship with God, something like alive and fun. So he'd say all the prayers again, and then he'd put the coin in the box, and then he'd start to walk out and go, wait a second, did I give the tzedakah? I don't remember. He was playing games. But these are delightful games with God. So, so there is no end to the amount that we can be grateful and appreciative. And I'll give you an example of how to apply this. I have, I have had these thoughts. You'll, maybe you'll think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you that, that, that I think this is healthy. I, I think this is a good thing. Who says that the floor has to remain straight under your feet? (laughs) You're walking. You can thank God for the floor still being flat. You can thank God for the ceiling still being over your head. You can thank God for gravity still being a constant and that you're not floating upside down. (laughs) Oh man, I wish I could get back onto the sidewalk. There, you can look around and take absolutely nothing for granted. You can look around and every single thing in your life you can newly receive on a regular basis because you can realize it doesn't have to be there. 
I'll tell you something. My my career has gone up and down, and during one of the absolute bottoms of it, you know, where, you know, just wasn't great. Nothing was going on. And I was remembering, like, years before, this, like, lawyer was like a big Hollywood lawyer, like, called me up. He wanted to take me out for lunch. And I remember just sort of being almost, like, annoyed at the time, like, oh, I, I don't have time. I'm so busy. I got to do all these other things. What does this guy want? And, you know, and, and then I remember thinking years later, there are no top Hollywood lawyers calling me to take me out for lunch. No one has the slightest interest at all. And then I remembered back about that phone call that I had. And I was like, wow, that was like a moment. And I absolutely didn't appreciate it. Absolutely didn't appreciate it. Someone wants to even say hello to you? They can walk by. Someone cares to ask how you are at all? To check in with you? Another human being? I I remember I was once walking through the old city in Jerusalem. And uh, I think it was the first time I had gone to Israel after I started keeping Shabbos. And it was just so wonderland, you know. Uh, Before then, I had been to Israel, but I I had gone to what I would call the, the dead Israel. I went on these trips where we went to like, you know, archaeological sites that, especially as a, a younger kid, meant less than nothing to me. They were, they were deathly boring, deathly boring, looking at rocks and ruins and who cares? And, and then I, I got, you know, I, I started keeping Shabbos, you know, like my relationship with Hashem became invigorated and I visited Israel again, and I met the living Israel. I met all these like outrageous people, unbelievable, you know, people with expanded consciousness who were so alive. And the country just opened up to me, and I was like, wow, this is like the greatest place in the world. I love this place. And I remember I was just kind of walking one time, and, and I saw an open door to a classroom, and it was an Asia Torah class, and I just wandered in, just in the middle of the talk. I, I he was probably wondering, who is this guy? But I just kind of walked into the middle of this thing and sat down. And this is what he said. I never forgot it. I don't know who the Rav was, but I never forgot it. He says, imagine you win the lottery. You win $24 million. And someone gave you the winning lottery ticket. They gave you it like, what, are you giving me this as a gift? $24 million at the lottery ticket? You're, give, you're, you're making a present of this to me? Yeah, it's yours. But could I ask you a favor? Please, it just, I don't want to burden you or anything like that. Well, what? Anything. Tell me. Just tell me. Could I have $1 million of that? You gave me $24 million. You want $1 million? Of course. Take, uh, yes, of course. Yes. Can I, can I ask you something? And please, feel free to say no. Could I have $2 million? Two mi- yes, please take it. $3 million? $4 million? So, 
So the rabbi said, God gives us 24 hours of life every single day. 24 hours of life every single day. And he asks, could I have one hour back? Two hours? Three hours? Let's look at the words Yivarecha Hashem Vihishmarecha. Right? The Balaturim says some amazing things. Look at the first, that's may Hashem bless you and guard you. That's what we've been talking about all this time, right? That that your blessing should be guarded, that you should still have it, right? So the Balaturim says, look at the first three letters of that first blessing. Yivarecha Yud Vayishmarecha. No, Yivarecha. Yud, Hashem, right? Yud, Ke, Vav, Ke, also Yud. Ve'yishmerecha, Vav. So Yud, Yud, Vav, right? Which is what? That's the number 26, which is Yud, Ke, Vav, Ke. So, so the opening letters are just, it's just telling you that the source of all blessing is Hashem. And of course, Yud, Ke, Vav, Ke is an expression of Hashem's love for us. And it's His holiest name, right? So here you see something beautiful. And you see something else. Another version of the Yud Kei Vav Kei. How? Because when the Kahanim, when 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 the um, when when the, the the Kahanim, the the Kohens, right? When they when they line up to to give the bracha, they they say a blessing before they give the bracha, right? Because you would say a blessing before food, a blessing before a mitzvah. They're doing a mitzvah, so they say a blessing before they give the blessing. And the end of the blessing is the word biava, meaning with love, out of love, that the kahanim are bestowing this, this they are a channel of love to, below, to bestow this blessing on us. And I heard in the name of the Zohar something very interesting. Be'ava. Be is the letter base, that's the number two. And Ava is the gematria 13, right? Which is also, that's, 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 Ava means love. And it's the number 13. So Be'ava is be is two, ava is thirteen, so two times thirteen is twenty-six, which is also yudke vavke. In other words, when this flow of love happens between the Kahanim and the Jewish people, right, the presence of God is manifest. Now the Balaturim goes on. He says that that if you count the number of letters Yivarecha Hashem Vayishmarecha, the number of letters in that brucha is 15. And he says that, that that's, a, that's a great number. And in this context, it stands for the 12 tribes plus Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Okay, so it's basically, there's this beautiful expression of achdus, of unity, all going on. And that's another way, by the way, to, to receive blessing is that when we're united and we're all together, like those 15 letters, like the 12 tribes and our Holy Fathers, right? We become a vessel to hold this exalted blessing. He says 15 is also special, and this is just a a good thing to keep in mind, right? Because there were 15 years when Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov were all alive together. Isn't that interesting? And of course, 15 is the number of fullness because it's on the 15th day of the month 
that the moon is full. And so that's the that's when the the month reaches its its full uh, capacity at the full moon. And it was fifteen generations between Avraham and Shlomo leading up to the Beis Hamikdash, the first Beis Hamikdash, which which many rabbis considered that the absolute height of the Jewish people, right? The time of the first Beis Hamikdash. So that's another fifteen. That's a and not only that. But in the Beis Hamikdash itself, there were 15 steps leading up to the Holy of Holies, right? 15 steps. And, and the Levium would, would stand on those steps and, and sing. So, and there are 15 Shir Hamalases, right? <laughs> and it says in Gomorrah Makos, or uh, Menachos, that Hashem created the entire world, this world and the next. With the letters Yud and Hey, which add up to 15. So just, there's no end to the blessing that Hashem wants to give us. There's no end to the blessing that Hashem wants to give us. So let me tell you what the Medrash says. Another idea of what it means to, that Hashem will guard you. And this is very, very interesting, Okay. A different idea now. It says that, what does it mean? Hashem will bless you. That means he's going to give you stuff and he's going to protect you. Listen to this. He's going to protect you that you should use your blessing for mitzvahs. Isn't that interesting? Because, you know, like, imagine you're in Vegas and you've got like a lot of money. And then it's like, you've been on a roll? What are you going to do with all that blessing? I'm going to push it back into the middle of the table and do double or nothing. And now it's all gone. Ah, I lost it all. I had a lot. Didn't do the right thing with it. And the ultimate, the ultimate safeguard for blessings is when you invest them in mitzvahs. You take your money and you invest it in mitzvahs and then all that blessing lasts forever, right? You become the recipient of all those things forever. You can turn money into eternity, right? That's a really good deal. You take money, you put it into mitzvahs and you become the eternal beneficiary. You never stop receiving dividends, from it, the ultimate protection. So maybe we'll finish up now, and I want to kind of give you one one last thing to think about. And it's a, a study that I saw. They're always doing these crazy studies, right? And they found that if you offer someone a plate of chocolates and you say, yeah, go, enjoy. And then you say to them, okay, that's the last one. They found that the last chocolate, the last cookie, the last bite of that delicious steak, the last mm, intake of something delicious 
tastes the best. So if you're told, okay, here's a chocolate, here's another one. You want one more? Okay, here's the last one. That one's going to taste the best. And they actually did a study and they proved it. So why does the last chocolate taste the best? (laughs) Right? The box is going to be empty. Here's the last one. And they found because people savor it the most, they appreciate it the most. And when they appreciate it the most, every single bite, every chew, every delicious like taste ends up tasting better, not because the recipe changed, it's the same steak that you started on. It's because the appreciation of it makes it more enjoyable. So again, we can go back to the beginning of this talk. All the fancy academics who are studying happiness, and they're saying gratitude is one of the secrets to happiness. Why? Because you're appreciating what it is that's happening in your life. And when you're appreciating it, the goodness is more enjoyable. And how do you appreciate it? By giving thanks. I'm a coffee drinker. I don't know if you guys are coffee drinkers or not. Um, And there are lots of great coffees out there. Kind of the coffee that we've been sort of buying uh, for our house is Pete's Coffee. Little advertisement for Pete's. Okay. Um, So, but you know, we go to lots of places and but 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 this is the one we've been kind of buying uh, fresh ground coffee from and bringing it back to the house. And the Pete's near our house just closed. So, I mean, the the business is still going and thriving as far as I know, but this retail one just shut down a few days ago. And we've been going there, you know, for a while now. And I'm on my last bag, and I've got probably, I don't know, maybe five scoops left in this bag. And I was scooping out the coffee this morning, making the last cup of coffee, pretty much, from Pete's. And... And I was appreciating it. And then I got kind of a little bit deeper and I thought, you know, we're supposed to appreciate every single day like it's our last day on earth. Because who says there has to be another? And I thought to myself, just like there's a last scoop that I'm putting into like the cup right now. I'm going to have a last breath and I'm also going to have a last day. And uh, that could be depressing, but I don't mean it as such. We can look at life through the prism of all the things we don't have. And all of us have needs and they're very real. And for many of us, they're very urgent. And Hashem should bless us that we should get everything we need. But we can go through just as a habituated thing. 
just as a choice. We can go through life looking at it through the lens of all of the things that we don't have, or, and it's a choice. It's a choice that we can make. And each one of us is responsible and empowered to make this choice. Or we can go through life looking at life through the lens of all the things that we have and appreciating them anew. And each one of us should decide and be conscious of what we're doing. Am I that person going through life, just seeing life through all the things I don't have? Because if you are, it's a bummer. And I'm telling you right now, not only is it a bummer for you, it's most likely a bummer for all the people in your life. Because probably most of what you talk about is all the things you don't have. It's just a guess. But I know people like this. Or we can go through life looking at things through the lens that w- w- of what we have. You know, Rabbi Nachman was very big on don't ask for anything until you pray to God for it first, even if it's a tiny thing like a broken shoelace. Because then when you get it, you can receive it directly from God. That's the idea. The idea is for us to live a life where whatever we have, we're receiving it directly from God in the moment. This is the place where we want to be. And if it's bad, we say, God, you're cleansing my soul, thank you. And if it's good, it's like, God, I didn't know that you could give me so much, and you're giving it to me again. Thank you. You know I love coffee. Another cup of coffee? And let me tell you something. When it comes to integrating these ideas, the model that we have to have, and I'm talking about for everything that I talk about and everything you probably learn from other places, the model is the ladder. Okay? It's not the racetrack. Have you ever heard anyone say, race you up the ladder? I'll race you up the ladder. First one up the top of the ladder wins. <laughs> People don't say that. You know why? Because the way you climb a ladder is one step at a time. My father, Oliver Shalom, used to say, a little of something is better than a truckload of nothing. You hear me? A little of something is better than a truckload of nothing. The way you institute these ideas is one step at a time. One new realm of thanks at a time. And then over time, you begin to look at life like this. I promise we're going to wrap it up, but I I, I do want to say the following. It's something that that I've shared with you before, but it's just, it's it's a one-act play that I wrote. It takes 30 seconds. (laughs) Okay? Now, the subject of this one-act play is a relationship with Hashem going from fantastic to horrible in 30 seconds. You ready? Okay. The curtain's open. Spotlight. (laughs) Thank you, Hashem. Thank you. I love you so much. The whole world is because of you. Nothing happens without you. You're the only one that exists. There is no... Everything that I have in my life is from you. And so, God, 
I'm asking you for the following thing. Please, God, bless me with, with this. Hashem, did you hear me? Yeah, I don't know if you heard me. I, why are you ignoring me, God? Why do you hate me? Curtains close. That's the end of the play. <laughs> do you see how it went from fantastic to absolutely horrible? So now I'm going to put my theater critic hat on, and I'm now going to analyze the production, okay? Basically, what went wrong, what went wrong is the following. The person went from a very fantastic appreciation that everything from, comes from God to this tunnel vision that our entire relationship rests upon this one thing. And if you don't give me this one thing, then the relationship is over. Right? I'm boycotting you, God, until you give me what I want. Which, by the way, is a terrible strategy. And a lot of people fall into it, not consciously. Okay, God, if that's how it's going to be, I'm going to boycott you. You don't want to give me this thing? Okay, fine. We're done. We're over with. So what's the problem with that? is that how is it that we're even alive unless God is blessing us? How do we have anything? How do we continue to have everything? Right? There's so much blessing going on. And our needs are needs and they're real. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disparaging that in the slightest. Not in the slightest. But there's so much going on. And we can't afford just to narrow our relationship with God to one thing. We can't, we can't do that. So, so let's not fall into that trap. Let's find things to thank God for. Let's find things to thank God for. And let's remember that on a very deep level, all of us right now are Noah, leaving the ark, leaving the ark of our houses, and going back into the world and making that transition again back into the world. And please, God, armed with increased gratitude for everything that's in our life, we should be able to make the transition back and the world that we should go back into should be a brighter and holier and more beautiful and more blessed realm. Yeah, so... Um, I, I think that people are going to continue to use Zoom. Um, and I think that uh, someone said this, and, and I agree with it, that, that whenever people gather uh, live now, like, you know, um, they'll just also have Zoom going. So I think that, you know, personally speaking, like when we start resuming um, live, uh, a live presentation of this Sunday morning thing, I think that I'll... Um, do a Zoom option as well. And then anyone who's remote who wants to continue to join can continue to do that. So I, and I think that it's not just me. I think that that's going to become more or less standard practice, um, you know, in, 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 in the business world and the Jewish world um, all around. So I, I do think that that, uh, that will be one of the changes that takes place um, post, uh, post quarantine. Um, what you said about candlelight reminded me of something that I heard Reb Shlomo say. I believe he said it in the name of the Zohar. He said that there are three types of light. 
there's sunlight, moonlight, and candlelight. And that um, he, he said that there's certain people that you, you just don't want to deal with at nighttime. <laughs> like in the, you know, when the sun is out and it's a business context, you can deal with them. But when it's dark out, you, you know, it's like, why are you there? Why are we, why are we talking? <laughs> I mean, you would never say it, but on an, on an intuitive level, you know, you, you don't want it. Why? Because moonlight is a time of closeness. Like when it becomes nighttime, you want to be with the people you're close with. And then candlelight is a time of intimacy. Candlelight is the time when you're really drawn most closely together with another person. And it's actually very beautiful if you think about it. We talked about the Medrash that, you know, every day of the week has its soulmate, but there's seven days of the week, which means one day of the week is going to be left out in the cold. So the seventh day of the week is the one that's left out in the cold. Shabbos says to God, who's going to be my soulmate? And God says, your soulmate will be the Jewish people. So isn't it interesting that we initiate our relationship with Shabbos by candlelight, right? When we light the candle, that's that time of intimacy. It's starting to begin, right? Um, in terms of the did you say the, um, the, 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 I, I know you didn't, these weren't your exact words, but were you talking about the eternality of the present moment? You used a phrase. Yes. What, what phrase did you use, please? Well, there was a piece in the, in the, the judge quoted a piece in the Financial Times written by someone whose name I meant to look up. She's from, she spoke about India. And she spoke about portals. Yes. And that there's a portal which is going to remain, uh, which will take with us into the future uh, from this lockdown. Yes, so there's this, this notion of the ongoing present. And I remember there was sort of like this character in our neighborhood. I haven't seen him around in a long time. But... Uh, I used to have to walk by his house to walk to this uh, to walk to this place that I'd go on a regular basis, and he'd often be in his driveway that had sort of like a lot of knickknacks and this broken car that he was always working on, <laughs> and he he liked me for some reason, and I couldn't walk by his driveway without him summoning me and you know sort of downloading, and uh, I remember one time I was walking by and he was like, hey. David, come over here, come over here, come over here. I was like, okay. And he says to me, how long do we live for? And, you know, if anyone asks you a question like that, more likely than not, they have the answer. So (laughs) So you should should just allow them to give you the answer. (laughs) Unless you've got some great idea to share. So I said, you know, how long? He says, one second. Our whole lives are one second. This whole world lasts for one second. He says, because the past is gone, the future's not here yet, and all you have is one second. Your whole life is one second. And 
I'm so glad he told me that. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I'll give you this on a Torah basis now. That is a Torah thought, by the way. Because it says God is creating and recreating the world every single moment, which means that the world really does only last for one second. But here's it on a Torah basis, in a very, very deep way, from the Ishbitzer Rebbe. So, so, we know when it comes to the idea of the sukkah, the sukkah is sort of like a microcosm of the world. It's the world. We're building a world. It's the tabernacle. The world on some level is a big tabernacle, a big mishkan. But the idea is that we're sort of being acquainted with the temporariness of life. Because the sukkah itself can't be a lasting structure. If you build it out of bricks, it's not a kosher sukkah, right? It's got to be something that's temporary. And you live in it. You live in it for seven days, ideally. You're supposed to sleep in it. And and the idea is you get really kind of like, it kind of gets into your bones, the fact that this world is temporary and that we're temporary. So with that in mind, with that in mind, here's the question. Yaakov Avinu journeys to a place... And he makes sukkahs. This is the first use of the word sukkah in the Torah. He makes sukkahs. He builds sukkahs. And then it says he named the town sukkah. So the Ishbitzer Rebbe says, if sukkah is all about the idea of temporariness, if you're naming the town sukkah, then you're making it permanent. Which means that you're sort of undermining this idea of sukkah, of the fact that it's temporary. So now listen to what the Ishvitzer does with this. Unbelievable. He says, no, it's much deeper than that. You know what Yaakov was doing? He wanted to make permanent this idea of temporariness. <laughs> Do you see what it is? And this is one of the keys to being present and having gratitude. And this is one of the keys to understanding what I've been trying to talk about with this talk. Is that if you understand that everything is temporary, that the world is being created and recreated, that nothing has to be here the next moment that was here the last if you're really grasping and holding on to the temporariness of all of everything, then everything that you see that's still around you is so awesome and beautiful and worthy of thanksgiving. And you're not crazy. You're not some fanatic. You're living in reality at that moment. I mean, we're all trying to be real. This is, this is actually being real. Well, don't you think you're overdoing it? I mean, don't you think you're overdoing it? Weren't you happy about that cup of coffee? I mean, what are you, a freak? No, no, I'm just, I am just trying to live in the world that all of us live in, in a wholesome way. Doesn't mean that you have to be obnoxious about it. You find a way where you can do this and okay, so maybe it's not every second. It's like a ladder. It's like a ladder. One step at a time. And one of the places that we can start if we really want to do this is actually saying blessings with kavana. 
because God, through the rabbis, built in the concept of blessings for us to be able to do this. But blessings have become so routine that we're not taking advantage of this awesome opportunity to be in the moment. See, because we're so um, preoccupied with, okay, this is the law, and this is the thing, and this is how I grew up, and now I have to do this, and whatever it is, and now I did it, as opposed to blowing our minds that there's a cup of coffee in front of us, (laughs) which we have the opportunity to do, and then to use God's name to thank us for it, to thank him for it. Right? So so I'm, I'm going back to this idea that I heard from Rip Shlomo, again in the name of the Ishbitzer Rebbe, that the way to do tshuva, the way to fix our lives, is first fix all the things you're doing right. Right? You, you would think, oh, I got to fix all the things I'm doing wrong. No, first fix all the things you're doing right. In other words, this thing that you're already doing, are you doing it with all of your heart? You're already doing it, but are you doing it with all of your heart? So I would suggest, again, on a practical level, let's start with the blessings that we're already making and make sure that we take that one second, that one second, that's all it takes, before we say the blessing, and then really let it rip. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go on to the... uh... Thanks for listening. We do this every week, so join in again next Sunday for a new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them. <laughs>